Welcome to the Popular Pig Podcast, a convenient place where you can stay up to date on what's popular in the swine industry. By listening to Popular Pig, you will receive invaluable information on the latest trends, news, and research from various experts who guide the global pork industry. Popular Pig is brought to you by SwineTech, the award-winning creators of SmartGuard and PigFlow. To learn how PigFlow can help you streamline your workforce and reduce piglet and sow deaths, visit swinetechnologies.com. Popular Pig is also made possible by the National Pork Board, Intervention, Crystal Spring, Johnsonville Foods, High Pork Genetics, Minitube, Brenneman Pork, Swine Robotics, Innovative Heating, and PigEquipment.com, brought to you by American Resources. I'm Matthew Rota, your host, and joining me is Nate Grease from Grease Farms. How are you doing today, Nate? I'm good. Yourself? Doing pretty good. Excited to talk with you today about your family's journey through agriculture and into pig production. You guys are doing some really good things, and it's it's been a pleasure to work with you guys because if there is ever a group that can be power users on maximizing a tool, you guys have been, been it. You guys have been awesome to work with. Could you tell us a little bit about your journey into agriculture? Um, how how did you get into pig production? And then we'll we'll go even further back and talk about your family history a bit. Yeah, sure. Um, I don't know if I can do that without going back to the beginning, but go ahead, uh, go to the beginning. All right. So I'll be the third generation pig farmer. So my grandpa, uh, Curtis Grease, he started a a farm over in Sutton, Nebraska, back in the seventies, and that was all dirt lot, um, small, you know, small farm where they did all the all the breeding, farrowing, and finishing. I mean, it was your typical seventies uh, pig farm. Um, and then he did crops on the side. So he had pigs. And then when my dad was born, uh, I've always heard the story that my dad was about four years old when he assisted his first sow. So he's been, (laughs) he's been elbow deep in sows since he was four years old. So, um, it's kind of in the grease blood, you could say. Um, but that farm, it it grew, uh, grew through the nineties. Um, he grew, he built some barns in the late seventies and eighties that, he would do some farrowing and some finishing in a little more concrete and a little less dirt. And, you know, as time, time proceeded, those farms turned over. And, uh, later my uncle, my dad's older brother, he, he was running that farm. I I would say through most of the two thousands. Um, and he actually added two, it would have been 2007. I believe he added two new barns. And so that farm's around 5,400 sows. And so when we bought that in 2017, that's, that's what we call homestead pork. Uh, that's what we took over as a 5,400 there. Um, but going back to my dad, so I learned most of my pig stuff through my dad. He went through vet school through Nebraska, um, UNL. And then that transferred over to U- U- the University of Kansas State. So he would have went three years at UNL and then two or three years at Kansas State um, and then moved back up to Columbus, Nebraska and worked for Jim Pillen, PST at the time for about 15 years or so. And so back in, back in the day when I was a little, I would, I would sometimes go with him and I can remember my earliest memories would be I'd stand outside those finishing barns and just spray the, the pad, the bin pads down with water and clean the corn off. I remember that pretty, pretty clearly. So 
those are my earliest memories of pigs. And that's back before biosecurity was real locked down. So you just kind of trudge along in your boots and go walk from barn to barn. So I just cleaned about five to 10 bin pads every time I went with them. And that was my job. So those are my earliest memories. And then um, in 2011, we started, I would say that's when Grease Farms actually started. Um, he purchased a, a farm. It, we, it's no longer in our possession, but it was down by Shickley. And that helped, helped us purchase another farm over by Milford. And then that farm helped us purchase another farm in Loomis. So those three were back to back to back years. So 2011, 2012, and 2013, the cards just kind of fell in, in the line and Grease Farms really just took off in those three years. Um, and in those three years, I was going through just finishing high school. And so during high school years, I would spend the summers helping out at Milford. That's where we lived at the time. And I did quite a few chores there. Um, learn, you know, how to do the farrowing processes, the, the breeding processes and pretty much everything in between that as well. And then I went to college. Um, and then during college, that's when we bought the homestead farm. Where in what college you go to? I went to the university of Nebraska and Lincoln as well. I majored in animal science. I'm a Husker through and through. You're wearing, you're wearing your Hawkeye shirt today. That's the first thing I noticed. <laughs> I, I thought I'd time that up real well for this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I'm a Husker. So I went, I got my bachelor's in animal science production management and I didn't know where I was going to go. Um, I didn't know what I was getting led to do. So freshman through junior year, I was kind of leaving the book open. I didn't know. I, I, I worked it down at the Meat Animal Research Center in Clay Center, Nebraska. Um, it's affiliated with the university there and it's kind of got all animals, but I went into specifically into ranch, the ranch side. So cow calf and kind of learned how to do, you know, the cow calf side of things. I was, I kind of, I kind of liked the cows at the time. Um, I was kind of split between cows and pigs. And then somewhere along the way in, in senior year, it switched for me that I, I was getting called back to the pigs. So I don't know what that calling was, but I think it turned out okay. Um, so far anyways. So, um, yeah, so it's 2017 is when we got homestead and then I graduated in 2019. And so I kind of had to talk my dad and my, my mom back into letting me come to the farm. They were, they were kind of pushing me to go try something else first. And mm -hmm. I, I just wanted to, come back home, which was completely opposite, um, from what I was thinking, you know, the previous years in college, I was thinking I was going to go move out West and be a cow calf, uh, rancher, but, um, you want to be a cowboy. I didn't, I, I don't think I got the cowboy blood really. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's what my mom actually grew up, up in Western Nebraska. So that's how we're kind of tied there. I've got family out there and spent several summers up there helping them on the ranch as well. So agriculture in general has just been in, been in my life since I was born, obviously. So um, what was that like making that decision to move back home and to join the family operation? And how, how has it been what you've expected and in what ways has it been different than you might've expected? It's been a good, a good transition. Um, I'd say with, with my last name being Greece, I, you know, with the family farm, you kind of get to do things that a lot of other people don't get to do, especially with the family farm setting. 
Yep. You don't really get lost in the, the big corporation. Everybody has a name and a face and I know everybody that works for us and they know me and we have good relationships. I, I think I value that um, very highly. I think that's a very good uh, model and, and Grease Farms really tries to push that. My dad and myself, we try to be in the barns. I mean, we're in the barns Monday through Friday all day. Um, we split our time between right now we just have homestead and Loomis. So we split the week in half. So I, I really value that with the grease, the grease farms model. Um, just, just the relationships, but going back to, to wanting to join grease farms out of college, it was a tough decision because out of high school, I wasn't really thinking about going home, you know, just like everybody. No, you're wanting to get away from home. At that get point. as far, yeah, get as far away from <laughs> home as possible. And, um, you know, I don't know if it was just the maturity or whatever it was, but senior year, it just flipped that I was getting called back to, to Grease Farms. So I interviewed before that, I interviewed for a couple organizations here in Nebraska and, you know, they offered me jobs and it just didn't sit right. It didn't really feel right. Um, and so I had a conversation with my dad about what, what do I need to do to come back to the farm? And, you know, they really wanted me to go try something else and learn, learn the, the industry before coming back. But, um, coming back year one, I, I think I brought some value and I think my dad would say the same thing. Um, it was a lot of learning, a lot of learning. I pretty much spent the first year or two, we call it management and training. Mm-hmm. So you go through, you go through UNL, UNL doesn't offer the best, uh, swine courses. It was a lot of online stuff. So I can't say I learned, learned as much as I'd like to in college, but as soon as you get that, get that hands-on experience, um, it really, it really opens your eyes. It really broadens your, your knowledge. So I spent most of my first two years at Homestead Pork, which would have been a fairly new buy for us at the time. It would have been two years. So we were just switching things kind of from the Grease family farms, which would have been my uncle's farm over to the Grease farms, which would have been our model. Um, So I spent a lot of my time there. I worked with uh, Russ Riley. He's a, he's the manager there. He's been with Grease farms a real long time. Uh, He's been a very solid asset to the farm. Uh, We couldn't have done that without him there. And I'd say I learned, I learned a ton from Russ um, as far as the production model and, and how to run a farm mm-hmm. um, all the way through from guilt development to gestation to farrowing to weaning and all the way back through again. So I'd say he was one of the, the better teachers I had outside of college. And then obviously I learned a lot from my dad as well. Um, he, he, I learned more from my dad about like the, obviously he's a vet. So I learned more about the medications and, and kind of the reading the pigs and reading what signs they're telling you, you know, are they sick? Are they not sick? Uh, what might that be? And kind of the business, he, he had to learn the business side on his own. And so I'm, I'm slowly learning from him what he's learned. So, so, so when you think about working your operations, if you could pick one thing where you're like, yeah, this is my thing. And when I get to do this, I'm at my best. I'm at my happiest. What is that? And then what's your dad's? Oh man. Um, my, mine, I can tell you mine, mine's pretty simple. My, I like late farrowing. I really like the late farrowing. So anything like 14 days plus, I like to put the wean loads together and kind of map that out for the, for the week. So we wean twice a week. So I can kind of get 
our first wean load ready and then get the second wean load. Wean so the load. logistics, you kind of like the yeah. logistics of it. Yeah, correct. Correct. I like getting that all mapped out and, and planned out for, for the next, you know, getting it ready for the next wean load. Um, I don't want to speak for my dad. I don't really know. We, he, that's a tough one. I don't know what I'd, what I would say for him. I'd say he's the least favorite thing. His least favorite. (laughs) You know, you might have to have a phone call with him on that one. I think I will. (laughs) I don't, I don't know if he'd say he has the least favorite thing, honestly. He's always such a good mood. You guys both are. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of his greatest qualities. I, I, he's never really down, you know, we've had health struggles the last two years and the positive attitude that he's had has helped me have a positive attitude because we got to portray that to our employees. So that's been a good deal. Um, that's so definitely I, transferred to your employees because your employees seem to always have a positive attitude. Yeah. Yeah. It, it definitely starts at the top, you know? Um, and so we have, I talked about Russ, he's always got a positive attitude as well. Um, and then our head of farrowing over there, Juan, he's always got, he's one of the happiest dudes I've ever met. And then here at Loomis, we got George and uh, same thing, you know, just real positive guys. We've got real good guys in key positions here. Um, and I would say without them, you know, it would look a lot different for sure. So when you think about your family story and your experiences, were there any stories growing up where your family had talked about maybe what are the the one or two hardest things that they had to to get through? I mean, they went through some farm crises through that time. Any any stories you heard from your grandparents or your dad were just like, oh man, this is a really tough time, and that you could share? Um. Well, my grandpa. Going back to my grandpa. Um, he's in his upper eighties now, but he'll still talk about the pseudo rabies back in the day. Oh yeah. Uh, back before, you know, people knew what was going on. And, um, he said that was a pretty, pretty tough hit. Um, I can't remember what he said he did, but he got through it. Um, and then going to my dad, the two hardest things are probably, probably more family related. The first one would be is just the moving. We moved from Columbus, Nebraska to Milford and that transition from him being a vet to being, you know, an owner operator. Um, I, I would say that was pretty tough. Um, not only for him, but for the family, cause you know, uprooting, we've been there for 15 years, just uprooting your family and trying and trying your hand at a new job. Um, and your family, bringing your family along with you. I, I feel like that was a pretty, pretty tough go for the entire family. And then here in the last two years we had, I think it was, one PED break at Homestead, and then over between the two, we've had three PERS breaks. Oh, jeez. Um, so that that for sure has been a, a, a you know a big hit for us, um, and it's been a really big learning curve. My dad had never seen PED, and neither had I, obviously. Um, so learning that one was tough. And then right after we we cleaned that up, you know, we broke with PERS over at Homestead, and he's been through a ton of purse breaks back when he was a vet. So he kind of knew what to do. And that was another learning curve for me. I'd never seen purse before. Um, so learning that, learning how to get through that, learning the biosecurity and beefing biosecurity up. It's been a 
um, an so Iowa. You graduate, you go through COVID, yeah, and three purse breaks. Yeah, all that's within my, four years. That's been my first four years of of Grease Farms. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what yeah. What do you wish you could tell your 2019 self? Uh, I'd probably just say buckle up. You know, I'll talk about my family a little bit. I got at, talking about COVID. I got married right in the heart of COVID. Oh, wow. So we had it planned the year before we'd been engaged. We were going to be engaged for a year. So we had no idea it was coming. Um, and so we were supposed to get married in, in May and COVID hit and Nebraska just shut down. That's back when you couldn't have more than like six people at your house or something. And so we said, screw it. We're going to get married. And we got married a little <laughs> earlier. And so we got married with, her parents, my parents, and a few of our friends and our friends were back, back away. And it was in, the, in my parents' backyard. So it was, it was just a tiny wedding. And so, it, it, yeah, not what we expected, but it was a good wedding for sure. Yeah. It's been a roller coaster. Yeah. It, it has been a roller coaster. So I would say just buckle up because you never know what tomorrow's going to bring. For sure. Persistence. Yep. yep. So I got, a, I got some questions for you and then we'll switch topics a little bit here. So the first bit is what you already told us your favorite university, which is university of Iowa. So that was really good to hear. <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh. You're a Husker. So through and through, yep. um, what is your go-to beer? Go-to beer. Um, it kind of depends on the season in the summer. I like a light beer. So I'll, I'll do like Coors Light or Bush Light. And then in the winter, I got Banquet, Coors Banquet. Oh, yeah. I really like Coors Banquet. I'll even do Banquet in the summer, but when it's 100 degrees, I won't do a Banquet. It's just a little too, too heavy. It's too heavy. Yeah. What about your go-to karaoke song? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say that I've ever even done karaoke. Um, but if I, if I did do karaoke, it'd probably be I Feel Like a Woman. Oh, there you go. That's a good one. Yep. Yep. <laughs> what about an actor, actress you love or can't stand? Or mm. a movie you love or a movie you can't stand? I would say Tom Cruise. I really respect him as an actor. The, the stunts that he does. I mean, he does them all. Yeah. He's nuts. Um, so I really like him watching the Mission Impossible movies and then Top Gun, Maverick. That was a really good movie as well. So I'd say I was, I was so impressed with that. Yeah. He's nuts. And then if you go onto YouTube, you can watch him fly his planes and he takes, uh, different se or several people up there and you know, it's, it's kind of fun stuff. So I have yeah. a cousin named Cole named after Cole trickle from days of thunder. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. He's got, he's got a lot of good ones. What about a bucket list destination for travel? I would probably say either Singapore or New Zealand. Um, those would be two bucket lists. Something that I'd really like to do is go to Alaska, but I feel like I'll probably get there. You know, it's, it's a little closer than the other two. So I would probably say Singapore or New Zealand. What about those two places? Singapore, it just from the pictures and what, what I've heard about it, it's like, it's kind of, it's kind of self-sustaining and, and you know, the technology there is, it intrigues me. So that part intrigues me about Singapore, um, for New Zealand, just, just the landscape, 
you know, a lot of movies are filmed there and um, Lord of the Rings or even when I was a kid, Narnia, the, what was that? Lion, Witch in the Wardrobe was filmed yep. there. The mountains and the backdrops that I would like to see that. That'd be cool to walk to some of the areas where they actually yeah. built stuff for Lord of the Rings. Yeah. That'd, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So those two places would be on my bucket list for sure. Gotcha. Yeah. So second part of this, you guys have been power users of pig flow here for quite a while. kind of want to talk to you about your experiences there. Um, when you think about before you started, what were some of the challenges and problems you were hoping to, to address and, uh, how has, how has pig flow helped you guys? Yeah. So believe it or not, my dad actually brought pig flow to me. Um, mm -hmm. usually I'm the one pushing technology on him, but um, he heard about pig flow. So he pushed it on me and I did a little research and we met up with you guys at the expo. Um, and some of the challenges we'd been facing, um, between the management level and, and the employee level, just the communication there. Um, you know, you, we have J one visas, so we have new trainees every year mm -hmm. and, and, and to keep people lined up all day and knowing where they're at and they might be green and not know what they're doing all day. Um, it, it gets tough on management to, I'm not going to call it babysitting, but you know, keeping an eye on somebody that's new all the time. Yeah. Uh, so just, just that challenge there. Um, that would be a, the biggest one. I wouldn't say this is so much of a challenge, but the record keeping, as far as we were just writing everything out on paper and then transferring it to the computer. Um, so we had, you know, we had South cards and Fairway and we were writing all the, all the day one stuff, assisting the oxytocin, you know, we were checking boxes there. Um, and then doing South cards for treatment and, you know, recording weans by paper, recording breeds by paper, all that stuff kind of just got taken away when we got handed pig flow. So that's, that wasn't a challenge. It was just the less efficient way of doing it. You know? So that, that really changed when we, when we got pig flow. What was it like that first couple of weeks with your team? two different experiences. So Homestead, we have a lot, a, a lot younger crew there with the J1 visas. So they're very, uh, what's the word? They adapt very quickly. I would say, um, they're all very intelligent. So giving them a phone and, and telling them this is how we're going to do it. You know, I was learning at the same time they were learning, obviously. Yeah. Um, so we kind of learned together. And that was the first farm to get pig flow. So I would say that one was a little smoother. Um, when we came to Loomis, I think we came, what, maybe two months later? Yep. We were given a trial run at Homestead and decided to keep rolling. So coming to Loomis, I wasn't actually here for the install or the, the initial meeting. So I'd say that was a big challenge for me. I should have probably tried to make that time. I can't remember what was going on at that time. I might have been on vacation or something, but I know there was... A, several of your guys were down here and we had to translate to Spanish and the crew, we don't have, we don't have J one trainees here right now. So the adaptability was a little bit tougher here, I would say, but by the third week, our key guys had it down. And, and if you can get your keys or your key guys to get it, the rest of the crew will follow. I would say, Loomis was probably one of the tougher cases and, and in a month we had her down. I would gotcha. say pretty easy homestead. I don't even think it was two weeks. It was like one week and those guys were rolling. So, I mean, it, 
the day one crew, we just, the second day of pick flow, we said, we're taking your cards away. So they had no more sound cards. So it was all on the phone. Yeah. So. This is a mix. So, some rip it like a bandaid, some phase it. And yeah. uh, so you guys we, kind of ripped it out. <clears throat> we ripped it out of Homestead and we phased it out of Loomis. We just had to, you know, we had to read the management a little bit. Yep. Um, where the trainees are most of our day one crew over there and they learned it quickly. We, we knew we could just rip it off and it worked. So, so how did it help with, uh, you talked about communication and organization. How did it help with communication and organization across the team? Yeah. So I'll just use examples here for, for Homestead. You know, we, we get those new trainees every month or every other month or something like that. So they come in and they don't know what's going on. They, they usually come from, you know, Africa or the Philippines or somewhere over there where they have maybe 50 sows or a hundred sows and they get thrown in a farm that's 5,400 sows. Yeah. They, I mean, they're swimming in the ocean. So we put them in, we start them on day one crew just to throw them in one room instead of the whole farm. And they can just focus on those 56 animals. And so when they have questions or, or concerns, or if they need help, they can just text on the chat function and either myself or Juan or us, we can answer without even going there usually. Um, otherwise, if they do need us to come, you know, they just say, hey, can you come here? And then we're there. Um, and then as far as the past function, it really helps, helps them stay in order. So if, if they do a task, they can see on, on their task list, they got another task. And we'll just keep, keep their task list full all day so they're not wandering around or, or getting lost. So it's, it's really helped in the organization uh, of both farms, really. Do you think it's helped you onboard employees faster than what you used to? Yeah, or, for sure. For yeah. sure. Yep. Yep. Um, so Loomis here, we, we're, we're trying to go PERS negative right now and we're getting close and we have labor issues, you know, kind of like every business does right now. And yep. so we're hiring new people, even though we have PERS and they don't even know what PERS is. So we're closing, we're locking down sections of the farm and, and pig flow is helping us do that. Cause we literally put in the task function, Hey, you're going to the blue side, which we call clean, or you're going to the red side, which we call dirty. And you're not allowed to, to go to the other side. So it's really help. It really helps us manage where people or where foot traffic is going through this purse break. Cause we don't want people going from wean rooms to, to day yeah. one. And, and taking that purse around. So it's really helped us lock down rooms and keep these new guys kind of from wandering around and looking for people. Has it, has it changed how engaged the employees are with the day-to-day -day operations and has it helped with employee engagement? And if so, how? I'd say, yeah. Um, you hand, you hand a phone to somebody that gets hired on and say, Hey, this is your phone. Um, you know, that's pretty meaningful to a lot of these people, especially the J1 visas that come over and they're used to, I mean, typically no records in Africa. You hardly have any record keeping. And then you say, this is your phone. Everything you do is going to be recorded in this. Um, so it's really meaningful for them. Um, and then here too at Loomis, I would say same thing. You hand those guys a phone and it, it, it kind of gives them a feeling of, belonging or, or, you know, they're part of the team already. So you're connected, you know, through that chat function, you're connected to everybody as soon as you get here. Mm -hmm. So I, I think, I think, you know, if, if I was new and coming in and I got a phone 
and it had my tasks on there and I had a chat function, even if I didn't know what PERS was or if I didn't know what gestation or fairing was, you know, if I had my tasks and I had somebody to work with, or if I had questions and or concerns, I could chat somebody, you know, it, it makes it so simple. How much does each individual having their name tied to what they're doing change accountability in, in the farm? I mean, it obviously uh, increases accountability because you can see what they're doing or, or, you know, kind of keep an eye on them without actually being micromanaging them, you know? Um, I would say, are they more engaged because of the added accountability or I, think, I would say yes. And I would say part of that is, you know, a lot of, you, you can get a lot of errors in records, you know, mm-hmm. and part of that accountability would be in that record keeping. I would say our record keeping has taken another level. Um, it's been really improved through pig flow because if you record anything on the phone, you know, it it has your name tied to it. So if you treat a sow, you know, if I treat a sow, it's going to say Nate treated the sow today and this is how much he gave, you know? So if I record that wrong, it'll, everybody can see that. Mm -hmm. So it it really helps, helps me and helps the team stay, stay accountable. Yeah. One thing we kind of found early on too, is since the, uh, the data is presented in a way that makes it actionable for the whole team, if somebody on the team is doing a bad job with putting something wrong, it actually makes everybody's el- like everybody else's life more difficult. Yeah. Right. So yeah. you're like, dude, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> yep. 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 So it's kind of a, a group accountability, uh, which is kind of fun. What about, what about efficiencies? How, how have you seen changes in efficiencies? Um, well, I talked about the sow cards, just yep. getting, rid of, getting rid of paper, has, has changed my job a lot. I do a lot of the record stuff still and, and keep the computer stuff in line. So I would say getting rid of sow cards and farrowing and, and recording, you know, if you record on a piece of paper, how many you weaned, and then you got to transfer that over to the computer, you can lose stuff. Cause you not only do you have to write down the tag and then the number, then you have to go and record that same number and that tag number into the computer. So if you just do that live time, your, your sows are, are already in the farrowing crate. So that makes it real simple for recording just about anything. So I'd say that's increased farrowing substantially. Um, here recently we've put in electronic tags over at Homestead and that Bluetooth straight to the pig flow app. And so when we, we record weans or not weans breeds, I mean, it's like a snap of the finger. You just walk down and you just record her ear and then, you know, you're done. So you used to, you used to write all those numbers down in the gestation barn. You might need your flashlight sometimes or have to read a tattoo or something. Um, but now with that electronic chip, you just beeper with, with the wand and you're done. So it's improved efficiency on the record keeping. Um, we talked about the tasks in the chat, just making sure everybody stays busy all day and, and, not having any confusion or, or questions of where they should go next. Um, it's, it's really helped keep everybody organized. Um, what about like the nonverbal communication where maybe something is, Oh, where do I have empty crates or what about feral tracker? Some of the things where you're maybe not talking to people, but you're, you're making decisions faster with information. Yeah. Yeah. So I can talk about going back to my favorite thing, late, late farrowing. Um, I help line up some of those empty crates, um, with nurse sows and stuff. So it's, it's really nice. Cause you can kind of map it out. You know, if I got 
two empty crates in this room and one empty crate in this room, I'm going to use nurse status and I can flow them down and I can know that the day before or even two days before um, and prepare, you know, prepare my wean load and use those nurse sows from the wean load. Are you um, able to do that bef- without even going to the farm then because of the walk farrowing side of it? Yeah. Yeah. You just, I just stand out in the hallway with one or our head of farrowing over there at Homestead. And we just, I call it the map. I say, here's your map. And we, we go through the next wean block or even two wean blocks away. And we say, okay, here's an empty crate or here's a sow with no babies. We're going to kick her out to gestation. We're going to put new sows in there so we can get, we can save the starve outs and, and put fresh milk in there, you know? Yeah. So I can do that from the hallway. I'll get the whole thing mapped out and then he's, he's good for the week and I'll do that on a Monday. So that's cool. So I'll get the whole week lined up with him on a Monday. And then obviously while I'm here at Loomis, he can continue on and do, you know, what we talked about and keep that map organized. And then same thing here at Loomis, um, they wean here on Monday. So I'll, I'll help do the same thing on a Thursday or Friday. And then when the wean day comes on Monday, they know what exactly they're doing. So yeah, you can do it anywhere. Um, there was a day last week where at lunchtime I was at Loomis and I got on, I switched over to the homestead account. Um, Russ was gone for the day. So I just wanted to check and see how people were doing. And so I just checked in on them and then I knew they were at lunch. So I sent a chat and I got a se- I got several chats back in several different languages. So <laughs> Yeah. So it, it's pretty, it's pretty cool that you can, you can log in from, you know, anywhere I can be at this farm and check on, on homestead or I can go to homestead and check on Loomis. So yeah. yeah. When we were building out the the visualizations we were, we wanted to feel like you could virtually walk your farm, not just look at data, but like walk your farm yeah. and interact with your team, even if you weren't there. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say one of the biggest things that helps is, is the actual wean projection. So we don't finish any of our pigs, you know, we go fair to wean and then we, we sell to our buyers. Yep. Um, so they need to know what numbers they're going to have in three, two weeks, you know? So we, we can project based off of what walk farrowing has, because we know what rooms are going to wean that week. So if let's say if room one, for example, is finishing today and they have, let's say 750 babies with 10% pig loss or something like that, you can map that out and say, this is going to be your number in, in two weeks, two or two or three weeks, you know? So that's how my dad would say the same thing about that one. Now that one's been a huge help for us just projecting two weeks out in advance for our buyers. So it's it's stepping away from efficiencies into the kind of last pillar we like to talk about or ask about is what about quality of care? How has it helped reinforce compliance around various things in the farrowing house or, or in the South farm that help with quality of care? Um, so the flag function, you can go and flag, you know, litters or sows for, for various reasons. So one of the biggest ones we use is off feed in the farrowing side. So it, if you go mark a sow, our head of farrowing will mark a sow, she walks the rooms or he walks the rooms and marks sows for off feed. Then somebody will come through with, with proper medicine and give those sows a shot then they can record all the all the data that they need mm-hmm. and then with that data it, it gives a um what's the word i'm looking for withdrawal time yeah so if i want to call her you know and 
three weeks or whatever that is. And it's not past my withdrawal time. I, I can't, it, the phone won't let me. So I can flag her and say, we can't call her quite yet. Cause she's still, you know, she's still got medicine inside. Um, so that one's been pretty helpful. We've actually gotten rid of treatment cards. We used to have use orange treatment cards and record everything on treatment cards. Um, but what we, what we do now is we just give them an orange mark on their neck as a flag, as a visible flag for audit purposes and for ourselves, um, just, just to keep an eye on her. And then in the phone, if you ever need to pull that up, you can see she's been treated one day, two days, three days, whatever that is. Um, and that goes for, for gestation as well. Um, if you got off feed or lame or whatever that is, you can treat those. On the piglet side, they also have those flags that we can use for scours or ruptures or whatever, you know, whatever you get. And, you know, the same thing applies. You, you treat and that withdrawal uh, date gets in there. And so that, that's really been helpful for us. Um, training purposes, we use, we actually set a task every, at Homestead, we set a task every week and we have training. And we use a lot of what we see, like, when we were coming right out of PERS, we had high pig loss. So mm -hmm. one, th one thing we wanted to get rid of was high pig loss. So we, we tracked our pig loss every week on the phone and we wrote it on the whiteboard so people could see it, but they could also see it in their phone. And the fairing crew took that personal. They were watching their pig loss and we dropped her by, I mean, it was seven or 8%. So the training, the training, the visible training through that has helped us, especially coming out of PERS, get back on track and, and produce at a high level. That That's impressive going seven, eight percent. That fairly yeah. took it very personal. Yeah. Yeah, they did. <laughs> I mean, we were sitting 17, maybe even close to 18% one week. Yeah. Um, just, you know, kind of on the tail end of PERS, we didn't, we were just being real cautious and we were starting to go negative and we, we figured now's the time let's start producing pigs and we pretty much went down, we're right around 11 right now without, you know, not doing hardly any nurse sows or bonus sows up front. So that's, I mean, that's pretty impressive to drop that. And it was about a month, maybe three or four weeks. So did Pharaoh tracker or that fostering help much with the farrowing crew with stillborns and, and, and checking on sows? Yes. Yes. And no, it's the Pharaoh, the stillborn side, it's up and down just because we get new, new trainees every, you know, every month or every other month. So you get that learning curve, but they learn quickly and it drops right back down to where we want it. And the other side of that is we're, we're kind of, again, we're on the bottom side of the PERS. So we're, we were breeding up some things we didn't want to. So the stillborn isn't where we want it to be, but it's still under 5%. So I would say that's successful coming out of PERS and uh, new people constantly um, not where we want it to be, but, but getting there. Um, what was the other question on that one? Just has that, that tool feral trucker helped your team feel more efficient through the birthing management process? Yeah. Yeah. Especially the new people. So we can pretty much throw them in there on day, day two after their initiation into it. Um, and they can follow the guidelines of, of the pig tracker. Um, or the Pharaoh tracker. So we set our base time at, at 20 minutes and then any at risk sows will be 15 minutes and they know they just got to keep, keep going in a, in a circle and keep cycling through those sows. However many it might be, it might be five to 10 on the days that they're in there by themselves. So that's cool. They learn quickly. 
and you know, it's pretty foolproof. You throw them in there and they got 20 minutes to get to the next out. I mean, that's it. So. Yeah, no, I don't know how, how you felt when you got into the, the farm after graduating, but one thing that really drove some of how we did this was you'd be in farrowing and I was constantly stressed. I was forgetting something. It was like, do I have pigs and totes? Do I have a sow that's struggling? It was just, and and you're, you're doing it on your hand or your glove or a piece of paper. And uh, I was the king, king of writing stuff down, but oh my goodness, I'd I'd have bad dreams at night. Like, oh my goodness, I left pigs and totes. Like (laughs) it's, you just worry. So I, I think, I think it helps them find a little bit less stress because you're not yeah, forgetting something. Yep. That's my hope. Yep. Um, going off that. So without a phone, you, you kind of feel naked. So it was about two, two weeks ago, my brother's with us for the summer. Um, his name's Cody. So he, he's my, I got two brothers, Ben and Cody. So he, He's with us for the summer and he's using my dad's phone because we were at Loomis and I don't know what he was doing, if he was recording wean, wean pigs or what, but he dropped it in the pit. Yep. <laughs> I think that was on a Friday and we get back on Monday and my dad asked, where the heck is my phone at? And I think that was last week and I still, I ordered the phones. I got them at my house. And I keep forgetting to take them, but he feels completely naked. Like he has nothing. So he walks through and he's got to ask questions all the time. You know, what's this sour deal or what is this sour, you know, what's going on here? And so it's just funny because, because Cody dropped it, you know, all our trainees, all our employees, they do a good job. And then Cody comes in for the summer and drops my dad's phone. Because your, your whole team in what, a year and a half, two years, they haven't lost many phones, have they? No, I think. And then he comes in and he drops it in the pit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a handful at both farms. It's a handful between the two. And his, his would be one of them. So yeah, it was just funny. I get, I had to give him a hard time because then I think Tuesday after that Monday we got there. So that next day he was using somebody else's phone and he loses it. And you can just see the panic in his face. He's, you know, it's, Oh crap moment. <laughs> Did I drop another one in the pit? So we circled back and we were doing the wean load. So we go through all the wean crates and, and he dropped it in a crate. So he got lucky, but you could just see the, Oh crap did I lose my phone again? <laughs> Learning the hard way. Yeah. That's how he does it though. He learns the hard way. <laughs> well, so this has been awesome. I appreciate you talking about your family history, your transition into back into a fa- into the family farm and what that's been like for your first four years. I'd have to say your first four years are probably gonna be very unlike most people's first four years, but uh, still some really good stuff. And then thank you for talking about your experiences with pig flow before we stop. And, and uh, and go from here. I'd like for you to share a word of advice that you'd have for others, something you picked up, some golden nugget that you think you could share. Yeah, I think the word um, persistent and adaptable, um, especially in this industry, it's a tough industry, especially now. You never know what's going to come next. So you, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta stay positive and and be persistent. You know, like you said, the first four years of my experience aren't like most people's, I would say, but I, I still wouldn't cha- trade it for anything. You know, I, I'm doing what I love. So stay persistent, adapt. The The industry is adapting. You know, we gotta, we gotta stay with the times. So technology is changing. 
I really like the changes of technology that, that I've seen in the last four years, especially, you know, pig flow. And, and there's other companies out there that are, that are helping our industry. And I think it's going in a, in a good direction, but it's, it's still a challenge. So stay positive and, and adapt to what's, what's coming next. That's cool. You bring those two up. There was a really good conference. I know your dad was there too. And they had a keynote and he was talking about, I think the eight traits of high performing individuals and persistence and adaptability are on there. It's yeah, your, your ability to just stay positive and adapt has such a high contributing factor to, uh, to success. So thank you for joining the podcast. It's been awesome. Yeah. Thank you for having me on here. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Popular Pig. We aspire to learn and grow together through the experience and wisdom shared by our esteemed guests. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues within the swine industry. For more information, please go to popularpig.com to receive updates when new episodes are available. Popular Pig is brought to you by SwineTech, the award-winning creators of SmartGuard and PigFlow. To learn how PigFlow can help you streamline your workforce and reduce piglet and sow deaths, visit swinetechnologies.com.